Hey, 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 and welcome back to episode 35 of Free the Geek FM. In this episode, my friend, I am talking with my friend Stefan Koopmanschap, otherwise known as Scoop, an all-round legend about building a business, how he built his reputation within the PHP and wider software development community, starting conferences and user groups, plus so much more. And hello, 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 my friend. Welcome back to the show. I hope you, I hope your friends, I hope your loved ones and family are well. I hope that whatever you're doing right now, whether you're, I don't know, driving the car, out for a, a run or a walk, doing the washing up in your kitchen, perhaps. Hey, I do that when I'm listening to podcasts at times. Whatever it is, that you're feeling well, you're in good health, or if you're not in quite good health, that maybe you're on the way back to good health. Anyway, that's getting a little bit sort of too deep for this uh, fun-loving podcast. Anyway, as I was kind of alluding to um, before the music there, in this episode, I really am excited again. I'm quite an excitable kind of person because I get to talk to my mate Scoop, and we actually haven't chatted for quite some time. But anyway, we talk about loads and loads of things, and honestly, this was an episode that was really near and dear to me because... I mean, I've been freelancing for, what, a bit over three years or so now, somewhere between three to four. Time flies when you're having fun, right? But I never felt that I did it as well as I could have done. And I always thought about, well, should I start a business? If so, what form should that be in? You know, should I sort of have uh, like a subcontracting situation or a direct uh, employer-employee relationship? And I'd known that... Stefan had his company for quite some years, and I'm going to have a go at saying it again, Inghefikeld. Not sure if I've done that right, but I'm giving it a go. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure uh, Stefan will uh, perhaps critique me there, but you hear him say it properly in the podcast. And he had loads of advice to share about the journey that he took and how it went for him and some of the ups and some of the downs. And this is not, not light sort of puff. You know, sometimes you'll people will tell you stuff, but it, they don't really get into the, the, the meat of the matter. Stefan does. And so I felt for that reason, it was brilliant advice. So I was like making loads and loads of notes. I think I have sort of about, what have we got here? Something like 47 lines of bullet points, not all on building a, a company, um, but loads of different things. Um, he sort of said how he sort of came to want to start a business. The process, taking on people, when people went, new people came in and growing pains and salaries and and just loads of things. It was brilliant. In amongst that, he shared how he approaches giving conference talks and user groups talks, how he came to be attending and giving user group and conference talks in the first place, how he built his reputation, a very solid one at that who he learned from, and just loads and loads of other things. Big plug for WeCamp. Anyway, (laughs) you hear more about that in the show. Anyway, I don't want to give more of the interview away. It's best that it comes from him. So I'm going to dive right over, but I will see you after the episode. Okay, so I guess to sort of kick off the conversation, I think we've been chatting online for on and off for quite a while but did we only meet in person at uh what was it was it zencon 
or was it PHP World a couple of years back? It must have been Zencon because I haven't been at PHP World yet. Ah, okay. Because I remember you were sitting, I think you were working on a speech, uh, sorry, a talk, and I came and hassled you or something, and you were kind enough to chat to me. Oh, that's usually fine. I mean, um, while at a conference, usually the talk has been prepared anyway. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, uh, getting everything crammed in my head again so I don't forget because I always forget when I'm speaking. Yeah, so what is your, I guess we may as well start there. What What is it, what's your prep routine? Because I read this long blog post from, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. His name's Troy Hunt. He's an, yeah. like an Australian. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had this big post on how he does it and he has the iPad to the side with the timer and he works out that he should be here by this time, there by that time and so on. Do you have a, a similar style or is it more relaxed or ad hoc? I'm definitely not the same like that um, because um, my preparations usually, um, what I deliver is a, a set of slides um, and every slide will have presenter notes which uh, contain a couple of keywords uh, just to make sure that I don't forget what I want to mention. And uh you know, every time I do a talk, it will be different because I will just be telling a story uh, or telling a set of stories or things like that. And um, basically, so every talk, uh, this is why I sit down at a conference before I do the talk, because I just need to make sure, you know, I know the structure of the talk again and I know everything that I want to talk about without forgetting anything. Because I don't, I don't know. I'm too, um, I guess I'm too chaotic to mm-hmm. to adhere to a very strict script. Uh, script. Are you, so, oh, sorry, if you're... No, no, go ahead. Are you still like chaotic generally or is it just with um, speaking? Oh, no, generally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is all throughout my life. I'm pretty chaotic. And on the other hand, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm uh, I'm a perfectionist, which is not really a, a good property to have, I guess, especially not when you're as chaotic as I am. Yeah, I was wondering how those two would mesh together, but I, I guess, you know, I, I, want I guess to, they could. I want to do as good as I can, um, but um, how, how, how should I describe this? I, I want to, as long as I am convinced that I made, the best effort I could, I'm usually fine. Um, okay. But if I, you know, I've had talks at conferences where in the week before the, the conference or the two weeks before the conference, I was so busy with other stuff uh, that I couldn't do uh, my prep work well enough. And even where, uh, when I got feedback from the audience saying, you know, you know, your talk was very good and, and stuff like that, I wouldn't believe it because I knew that my prep work wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's it, it's more of a, um, uh, I, pu- I put this bar up myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the bar that I think the audience puts up. It's just me putting up that bar, I want to be, I want to make as, as much, as, as much of an effort as I can. And if I cannot make that effort, then I'm not satisfied even when I get good, good feedback. But I guess that's that, that thing, like where you picture, um, it came across where, how, or how you felt that it, 
you you gave the, the presentation and how the audience then received it. And I guess for however many people are sitting in the audience and you, there's what always that many perspectives on on what it was like. So it's I guess it's really hard to to, to kind of judge how it would have come across. Yeah. Um I guess the, the feedback that I get from the audience directly after the talk or through uh, sites like JoinedIn, mm. um, it helps in at least getting a bit of a feeling on how it came across and also like questions people ask. Because if people ask the right questions, then you, you've got a feeling, okay, I got my message across. But there's a big difference in how I um, understand of how people get the message and how I feel satisfied about the delivery myself. Okay. So how did you first come to get into conference speaking? Was it um, someone said, well, why don't you get up and, and, and have a go? Or you had a particular thing you really wanted to say, or you just felt inspired by watching uh, people over the years? Or what was it that, that got you to get into it and then to stay with it? <laughs> um it was a, I don't know, I don't remember the year, but I was working at a Dutch company and I was building on, uh, well, it was like software as a service before we knew the term software as a service. And uh, we had built the whole app based on Symfony 0.6.7 or something. This was a long time ago. Um, and I guess we were the f one of the first companies in the Netherlands that were actively working with Symfony. And um, we even organized a conference back then uh, called Symphony Camp, uh, which, as far as I've understood from Fabienne, was the first ever symphony conference uh, in the world. Um, so I got, I, I guess people started to figure out that I was working with Symphony and um, uh, that I knew a bit about working with Symphony. And at some point, uh, Ivo Jans from iBuildings back then. He approached me and he said, well, we're organizing this Dutch PHP conference. Uh, would you be interested in doing a talk on Symphony? And, and I was like, well, sure. That sounds fun. Um, and that's basically how I got into conference speaking. And um, or at least that was the first time I did it. And then at some point, I, I switched jobs from, from that company to iBuildings and the, the company culture at iBuildings back then, I don't know about how it is right now, but back then was very much supportive for starting speakers. And they said, well, if you want to do more conference speaking, we will cover any costs that your conference won't cover for you. Um, and, and that's basically, I got accepted into international PHP conference and, and I got accepted into many other conferences from that point. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And especially in those days, um, there weren't as many speakers as there are now. So you would run into the same people uh, at, at almost every conference, uh, which, which, you know, at some point you start, you know, really get to know people. And, and that's a lot of fun. And that's also one of the reasons why I kept speaking, because I ran into those people again. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And, and we did some talks, but it was mostly the, just the fun of the conferences. Mm -hmm. um, but I've done, I've done less conferences in, the, in previous, I don't know, three, four years, um, which is a, a combination of uh, 
uh, I guess I've been, been doing that for a lot of years. And there's been years that I had at least one conference every month. Uh, so I was getting a bit tired of it. And also my focus was shifting a bit. Um, I, I started doing some volunteer work for a Dutch radio station, uh, which took up a lot of my time. Um, my company is getting bigger and bigger and more serious. So it, it also needs more of my time. Uh, plus the travel and being away from the family, uh, which at some point started, you know, be it, it, it started outweighing the, the fun that I had at conferences. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of a couple of different things that made it, you know, made me decide to, uh, to slow down a bit more um, to the point where, I don't know, I do two or three conferences every year now, something okay. like that. Okay. Um, I remember when I, f oh, a little bit after I first got to know um, Stefan Hochdefer, um, he would sort of say how, like, I think I sort of would ask him, like, you know, what conferences are you doing? And he would just list off something like, like 14 plus or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then he said to me two years ago, oh, oh maybe three, like, oh, I'm, I'm slowing down. I'm, I'm down to 10 or something like this. <laughs> And then I said, "How that like, maybe the year later?" I said, "How did that slowing down go?" Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm down to twelve. I'm like, "That's up." He's like, "Down, up." Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then I would see or talk to when I, when I first talked to Joe Ferguson and a couple of others in the states because I I'd only done like spoken at two conferences then, and they would just I, they introduced me to this this you know this the, what would you call it like the conference speaking circuit? Yeah. And just you'd have your bags and you'd go from this conference to the next one to the next one to the next one. And then you'd see the tweets of, okay, I'm finally home after how many weeks? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like at, in, at first it sounded like a bit of buzz, like a bit of a rock star thing. But then after a while I thought, living out of a suitcase. Yeah, I'm yeah. not totally sure on that. But yeah, I'm not sure how family life would go if I was away. As, as you said, you know, there's the fun of being there and all the people who you're around. But then there's the flip side. Now, that makes for an awesome story. And I had no idea that you worked at iBuildings. I worked at iBuildings in the UK for a year, several years ago, back in 2009, I think. Yeah, I think that's a bit later than I was there. I was, I was there in the period when uh, iBuildings UK, Lorna was there. And in the Netherlands, we had Cal Evans for a while. Ah. Uh, that was the period that I was... I, I, this, this was the only working experience I have with Cal Evans. And I'm, I'm still very happy that I got the opportunity to actually work with Cal because, you know, he is a, um, I don't know, role model, mm -hmm. I guess something like that. Or, uh, you know, he's, he's like, um, I, well, he's the godfather of, uh, of the PHP community, right? Yeah. He always struck me that way. I don't know how, I think I had heard about him before I ever actually read anything of him i don't know if that's possible but yeah he always he he write from i'm not quite sure when because i got into php around somewhere like sort of three point something or other right and then as i kind of started to appreciate more and more of the community yeah his name was just one of probably one of the first names that i think i ever realized i became aware of within that community well he was he was running uh zen dev zone for a long time mm. Uh, which I think was probably my first interaction with uh, with Cal or or at least his work. Um, although you know this is so long ago, I'm so old now, <laughs> I can't remember all the details. Mm -hmm. 
but um, you know, looking back, I think that's probably been my first interaction with uh, with Cal mm-hmm. and his work. You mentioned about your your business, and is is it ingewikkeld? Yeah, well, if if you pronounce it fully in Dutch, it would be ingewikkeld. Ah, yeah, that's the. But the G gets everything, everyone, every every time. That's it's like Scheveningen, right? It, and nobody except people from the Netherlands will be able to pronounce that. That would be the one. I was trying. I was assuming like a sort of German esque pronunciation, and forgot the. Um, like the, the key differences between um, Dutch and, and German. So, okay. So now that I've gaffed the name, despite having a good effort, how did? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. It's it's better than most of the people <laughs> who's, who tried to say the name. Awesome. Big fist pump. Um, <laughs> how did that come <laughs> to be, by the way? Because like, you said you were working for a company, was it doing, was it microservice before they were microservices? Well, it was a SaaS application, uh, software as a service, yeah. and then I I worked for uh, for iBuildings for mm-hmm. a while. Um, then I moved on uh, to an internet service provider, broadband provider, um, and while working there, um, I I started to you know figure out that working in a product company as as much fun as mm-hmm. it is, um, I wanted more. And I wanted to do training and I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to see more organizations. Um, and I'd been, ah, they call it job hopping, I guess. I'd been job hopping, uh, you know, a year here, a year and a half there, half year there, um, which got led to quite a few questions during interviews. Um, you know. Uh, As it does. We look at your CV and and we notice you you've been doing this for half a year that for a year that for a year and a half uh, what what makes you think you would stay uh, longer than that over here and i couldn't really answer that question anymore um and um somehow employers uh, still when they hire you they still expect you to be around for years and years um while when you're a freelancer it's it's okay. It's actually the way people work to uh, to switch jobs every every three months or six months or you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked to my wife, and and she was like, "Yeah, well, maybe maybe you should start freelancing." And I talked to Michelangelo, um, talking about you know role models. Um, Michelangelo mm-hmm. van Dam uh, had had been running his company for for quite a while at that point. So I talked to him a bit about you know what what happens when you start freelancing, what happens when you when you start your own business, um, what's the stuff I need to think about, things like that, and he helped me a lot uh, explaining you know what happens when you start your own company and and things like that, um, and then at some point I was like okay let's let's just go for it, um, yeah that's basically how how we got started. So. Okay, so going from the idea of it though to um, then bring in clients and then doing that on a regular basis, like how? Because I hear like a, a number of people sort of speak of um, like around how they sort of got started, but that bit, that that, that core bit of how they actually said, okay, this is how I found a, a, pla- a paying client or pa- found paying work or was able to let people know that I existed and this is what I did. Like, 
can I plumb in, uh, dig into that a bit? Well, I had the um, advantage of being an international conference speaker. Um, and that really helped me build a big network uh, of, um, well, people in the PHP world. Um, and also helped build my name uh, because um, from the moment I started my own business, started freelancing, uh, I also got emails from people that were searching for a PHP developer Netherlands and quickly they came, uh, found my name um, and then noticed that I was also speaking at conferences and um, doing user groups and, and stuff like that. Um, and that really helped me, helped me without me actually doing anything to convince them that maybe they should contact me because I looked like a um, trustworthy uh, freelancer. Um, so as, especially at the start of the company, uh, that was a big help. Uh, and, and, you know, now uh, company exists for nearly 10 years. Um, now people know the name anyway mm -hmm. and know the, the company name. They know my name. Um, they know, of course, now I also have people working for me, like Mike from Real, who, who also manages PHP Documenter. Um, uh, so they know Mike, Mike's name and a couple of the other people that, that work for me uh, as well. So I now have the advantage of, you know, being an established company together with, I'm still speaking at conferences every once in a while, mm -hmm. I'm blogging every once in a while, and it's... It's that kind of stuff that really helps build your name, uh, not just to uh, to the to the people that, that make the decisions to to hire you or not, but also to the to the wider PHP community, um, where if a manager says maybe we need some help, and uh, a developer in in the in the company will say, well, I may may know someone ah, that gotcha. we could yeah. ask, uh, okay. and they would come to me. Because yeah. I remember I, I asked Marco Pavetta oh, several years ago, I said, how do you find work all the time? And he just sent me a, he, he said nothing. He just sent me a, a, a screenshot of his GitHub um, contributions graph and said, that's it. Yeah. 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 I can imagine that also works. I'm, I'm not a big uh, contributor in terms of code when it comes to open source. Um, my contributions have always been uh, in different ways, uh, such as, you know, starting and running user groups, uh, starting and running conferences, um, uh, things like that, mm -hmm. uh, speaking at conferences and user groups, uh, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I realize I'm, I'm a very experienced coder, mm -hmm. but I'm not the best coder ever. Um, there's other people that are way better than me. But I, I can try to contribute like in other ways. Sounds like something Gary Hawken told me or something. He's just, that's, well, something in what you said just reminds me of, of times working with him and how he's um, spoken of himself. But so what you said at the start, it was freelance. You, you were freelancing. And, but then you also sort of spoke of, of sort of yeah. business. And the reason I say that is I sort of see freelancers, well, yeah, a, a business, right? You know, but I kind of see, think when I hear the term business, I sort of think of, or like sort of um, a, a number of sort of people as opposed to then freelance being one person. So was it you started right. um, working as a freelancer and then did you sort of change the structure such that you could then hire people? Or is it like, a, like a, an organic process? 
Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. And well, the uh, what what basically happened was I started freelancing, um, doing uh, well. The, the name ingewikkeld is like the Dutch word for for complex, um, and uh, the reason why it's called ingewikkeld is because I like the complex projects, uh, which are never really small projects. They're always a bit bigger projects. So my basic structure as a freelancer was people, companies would hire me for three months or six months or nine months or a year uh, to help with big projects. Um, and that's a pretty easy structure. But um, if if you're only on the market for one or two times every year, uh, you have to say no a lot of times uh, to to other potential mm-hmm. customers. And when I started the company, I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna hire people because there's, there's a lot of hassle, and um, it's you know I want to just uh, work on the tech." And um, then at some point, I got tired of saying no so often, uh, and that coincided with uh, I was already talking to to Mike from Real for probably over a year because we had previously worked together uh, in at at the at the ISP that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I was talking to him. He was he was considering looking for for a different challenge, and I was like, "Well, I I have to say no a lot of times at this point, and and I I would like to expand the company and maybe uh, get get someone else in so that I can do twice as many projects as I usually do." Um, but yeah, we were just basically discussing that, and I was putting off actually. Uh, doing the research on what it, what I needed to do to actually hire people, uh, when another friend of mine, uh, Jelrik van Hal, uh, he he finished his university and he was freelancing on the side, and um, when he finished his university, he was like, okay, I just want to quit freelancing for now and work for a company, and I was like, why not my company? And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, that's interesting, um, but. I cannot wait for a year because I'm I'm mm. done with school, so I, I want a job. Um, and that basically triggered me to, okay, now I have to actually do the research, uh, figure out what I need to do to hire people. Uh, and then uh, Jelrik started first, I think in October, and then the next January, Mike joined as well because I'd done the research and Mike was interested and I was interested. Uh, so within two months, basically, uh, uh, it was not just me freelancing. Uh, it was uh, me and Jelrik and Mike uh, working for customers. So what was it like to make that change? Because I remember I spoke to um, a, a mate we used to work together in the UK and he said he went from freelancing to running a business. And he said for him, but he's, he's also like really chaotic in his own way. He said it was, it, it, it was good because he got to work for some wonderful people, but then he also felt that sense of responsibility that since these people work for me, I now have to make yeah. sure that there's always work in to pay, you know, to pay them. So did you have that kind of experience where there are other kinds of growing pains and uh, adjustments? If I could dig into that. Um, well, the, the responsibility is there. I mean, that's, it's as easy as that. Um, but uh, since I started, well, I, I didn't really start as a freelancer. It was a joint venture with my wife who was, doing uh, freelance consultancy work on a whole different subject, uh, but administratively, it was just a single business. 
Um, but still, because it was just my wife and me, we set it up as simple as possible. Uh, and but the the company structure that we were registered as uh, is actually not suitable for hiring people directly because um, you're uh, personally responsible for everything that happens. Um, so if the company would go bankrupt, uh, I would also mm -hmm. personally go bankrupt and my wife as well. Um, so we ended up uh, finding a company, a payrolling company that would actually hire uh, Yarik and Mike and we would basically uh, hire them from them uh, so that when for some reason they got you know ill for for four months or five months we would not have the the risk of uh you know that that responsibility uh, uh towards us and um also if something happened to the company they would still get paid uh, so that was at least a slight uh you know um Mm -hmm. the, the risk was lower, uh, both for us and for them. So that, that made it very easy for us to you know, hire people because the risk for us wasn't as big and the risk for them wasn't as big. Um, but the, it, sure, there were growing pains because um, uh, still you need to pay the invoices in time for the, uh, for the salary to be paid. Uh, but of, of course, a lot of, uh, clients who would only pay a month later. Um, so uh, we made a deal with the, with the payrolling company that we, we got some extra time uh, to, to pay our invoice, which was great because that was for that first start that was, mm -hmm. you know, you have to build up your reserves. And uh, um, making that deal was very good for us. Um, and But then once you're settled with two people working for you and you've got a nice rhythm going on and uh that was that was actually great but then the challenge is how to add a third person because now you've got a team uh a team of three uh how, how are you gonna add one more to that team uh, it's it's another financial bump and uh, the uh, the what I found, at least for us, it was going from two to three was the hardest part. Once we were at three, it was quite easy to add a fourth. Uh, and, you know, it could be pretty easy to add more. Um, but that, that bump was the biggest, biggest mm. issue for us in, in terms of growing pains, uh, not just financially, but also in terms of the amount of work that I had to do uh, in, uh, for, for acquisitions, uh, you know, finding new projects, finding new customers, things like that, uh, which with two, it's still okay-ish, especially with, with the mm. longer projects that we were working on. Uh, but once you add one more, that means you have to do more work for that. Uh, so the, that w I guess that was uh, mm. our biggest challenge um, in terms of is, is it know, because growing the business. that third person was the first person outside of yourself and your wife kind of thing or well the the third person uh, uh with the third person i mean uh after after Yorick and mike so ah okay the the third employee basically um uh, but i guess it's still the same thing uh, because uh, mike and Yorick and me um we were we were uh, 
uh, working, we've been working for, I don't know, I guess at least two years, there was just the three of us, maybe longer. And so then uh, looking for someone else is very hard because you get used to working with these three people. Uh, and it wasn't until Jelrik left uh, to to pursue other uh, other challenges, that I was like, okay, we need now. Now there's just two of us again. Uh, we could add a third person, that's fine. But then we have to add another one, um, and there somehow that that made it easier when Yelik left to, to. That's really fascinating. You know, hire more to, people to to get an idea of sort of what it's like. Okay. Yeah, it's it's it, once you're used to a certain structure, it's very hard unless you get pushed out of that structure. I guess it's mm -hmm. you know it's getting out of that comfort Something zone. Something that you're just always used to, and you can do hard. other things, but you're just so used to a certain rhythm, a certain routine. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so I, I guess the company sort of you know continued to go well, and have there been? Maybe this is digging too deeply. Have there sort of been things that you sort of wish you'd rather not taken on, or it's just generally been a nice sort of steady um, growth from one year to the next? Or am I digging too no, deeply? I uh, apologize if I am. There's no, no, that's that's fine. I think I've done a conference talk. Uh, now maybe just user groups, maybe not conference, but I, I did a talk at some point um, talking about my mistakes um, instead of just the successes because i think we learn a lot from from our mistakes um and and one of our main mistakes was uh taking on fixed price projects um because we are not we are a um you know consulting uh contracting company we are not a project company we don't have a product manager uh, project manager whatever uh, we don't have the structure of a full scrum team or something um, people hire one of us or maybe sometimes two of us or maybe sometimes three of us, but they just hire us for the development capacity uh, or the, the, the expertise that we bring in terms of, you know, process, architecture, stuff like that. Um, but um, at some point we, we took on uh, um, uh, some fixed price projects and I've done that twice in the history of, of Ingewikkeld. Um, and both projects uh, uh, went way out of hand. Um, and the first one was relatively easy to fix, but the second one all, almost uh, made the company go bankrupt um, because it was the, the project was way bigger than, than we had initially thought, but we, you know, we'd committed to a certain price. And then after some discussion, we got some, we, we could, Put some some extra work on a, on a, an hourly basis instead of uh, uh, within the the scope of the fixed price, but still it um, yeah it caused a lot of worries. Let's just say say that, um, and it took us it took us years to uh, to recover from that, um, okay. but uh, but we're there. Uh, we're 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 happy. We're a <laughs> happy little good. company now. Um, I guess we're sort of over the. We're about thirty five minutes in, um, and I don't want to sort of you know go for forever in a day. Though it would be fun, perhaps. Um, I the one topic I would like to round out 
the, the session with is uh, user groups because partly because I'm such a slacker and I really need to actually get involved um, in my user groups and stop using my kids as an excuse for just being a hermit <laughs> um, and hiding away or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the other is because, and I haven't checked in for a while, but I believe that the local PHP user group here in, in Nuremberg is, is something that was going and I believe it wasn't. And I got really inspired some time ago and I uh, contacted the original organizer and said, hi, look, I, it seems like it hasn't been going for a while. Um, I guess, you know, you, you're busy, priorities change, et cetera, et cetera. Do you mind if I maybe sort of uh, help you with it or take it over? You know, I was feeling super inspired, I think, after talking to uh, Raphael. And he said, oh, no, 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 it's, it's going to be back again. Right. Da, da, da. And I think it, it never was. So assuming that it isn't and assuming that um, I would, there's the opportunity to sort of kick it off for someone who's never run a user group before um what are the what are maybe the key things to to keep in mind or to to do or to get right if i could if there were just a handful of things uh first of all uh let me get back on something you said at the start of this introduction um and that's uh, family is never an excuse i mean uh if if you need to spend time on your family you need to spend time on your family um, having said that, starting a user group, uh, I guess the most important thing is just do it instead of planning it. Um, I've started uh, three user groups now, um, which goes way back to, I guess, the early 2000s, something like that. Um, when we started the first uh, Dutch PHP user group. Um, which was basically a couple of people from a PHP mailing list getting together uh, saying, oh, a user group, that would be fun. And, um, well, we got together, uh, we wrote down some of the tasks that we thought were important for a user group. Uh, okay. We split out all the tasks and that was it. <laughs> we, start, we started organizing our first, uh, first events and that was, that was fun. Uh, but this was in the early days of, of user groups. We, we, We'd only heard about the concept of a user group uh, from from different parts of the world, and there was nothing like that in the Netherlands. Uh, so uh, that's how we got started. For for PHP Amersfoort, it was a similar thing. It was uh, basically three people working together and uh, thinking, oh, it should be fun. This was after Raphael came to the Netherlands, and he started Amsterdam PHP. And um, the Dutch PHP user group had been um, merged with uh, with uh, PHP Belgium to to form PHP Benelux, uh, which was fun, but that basically meant there was only one user group meeting every two months in the Netherlands because mm. they would alternate between Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, and uh, Raphael started Amsterdam PHP, and we saw how how good that worked. You know, a local user group, um, because the the Dutch or PHP Benelux meetups would be uh, you know, in the north of the Netherlands one month, then two months later it would be in the south of the Netherlands, then two months later it would be in the, in the east and then in the west. Um, and I would go to most of them, but I would see different faces every time, which is fun, but you don't build the relationship with those people. And um, with Amsterdam PHP that worked. People, you know, you would see similar faces every time. 
So we thought we, we do the same thing with PHP Amersfoort. So we sat down one day after work, we got some food, we sat down and we started writing down, okay, what do we need? We need basically a location. We need a speaker. Okay. Um, and that's it. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, so we found location. Uh, we found a speaker. And uh, that, w- that was our first meetup. And people came. Um, uh, it was just a couple of people in the, that first meetup. But that, that, that amount growed at some point no. to a steady 20 to 30 in touch people for every a month. a simple now. mailing list or something? Well, we used to use uh, Meetup. Um, well, to be fair, I, I since uh, stepped down from organizing PHP Amersfoort because we started doing WeCamp, um, which is an event that, that we organized from from my company. Um, but uh, the, the Meetup is still going, and we had a Meetup page. And after the recent pricing changes, I think they're moving now to a community, uh, community.com with a K. Um, which I think is a, an initiative mm-hmm. from the Turkish user group or something like that. Um, but that's that's the main part. There, there should be some, th- some central place where you can sign up for the meetups and you can get notified about new meetups. Um, and we used to use Meetup for that. And that, uh, that worked. People found, uh, found our, our meetup, okay. our user group, and they started coming. Well, all right, I'm going to... Tell myself that uh, after you know we've we've wrapped up, I'm gonna get in touch with somebody. Or actually, I'm gonna try and find this organizer. And 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 who else was it? There was someone who actually got in touch who just moved, I think, to Nuremberg. So I'm gonna see if I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig up that email. Um, see if we can kick this off. All being well, fingers crossed. Double fingers crossed. Plus the thumbs for the for the German influence. We'll see if this happens. <laughs> Well, there's 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 quite a few people speakers like well-known speakers in in Germany, and there's also some crazy people from the rest of Europe like Michelangelo or myself uh, that uh, sometimes travel to Germany to speak at German user groups. Um, so I mean, it getting a speaker shouldn't be that hard. Okay, and I guess I can always kind of think of stuff on the on the hop if if need be and just make up make up something to say. Of course, of course. My, w- yeah. my wife tells me I'm good at sort of just speaking randomly for lengths of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a positive thing. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. I mean, sorry, sorry, speaking on, on in, in a focused way, of course. Focused. Okay, did, did, I, okay. did I say random? I mean, I mean, focused, focused on topic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, all right, so that's been about forty minutes, and um, I, you know, don't want to keep you all night long. So, as is sort of traditional at this point in time, is there anything that you want to talk about, plug, um, bring some attention to as we as we wind up? Gosh, um, too many things he says. Well, I guess the 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 thing I should plug, of course, is is what I mentioned before, uh, which is WeCamp. Uh, this is an annual event that uh, we've been organizing from, uh, f- uh, you know, with with my company Ingewikkeld. Uh, which is a five-day code retreat on a, on a private island in the Netherlands. It's always in August, at the end of August. Um, and it's five days of, um, you know, uh, working on a project with a couple of people uh, supported by a coach and um, 
uh, and and having a lot of fun. It's a combination of of coding, of personal development, and of having fun. And uh, so if if I if I can plug anything, I would plug that. Um, we've had our evaluation recently, and although it's not been publicly announced yet, um, I guess I can tell you that uh, there will be a weekend twenty as well. Awesome, because August isn't anybody's birthday that. I know of, or at least a birthday that I would have to be at. Uh, nice time of year. Um, Netherlands isn't too far away. So yeah. I think this is all looking yeah. good. But, uh, I'm, I don't know yet. It, probably mm. somewhere early January, uh, we will launch the new website. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying all this and we, we have our kickoff meeting on Friday. So I have really have no idea of the timeline yet. But I, I'm assuming that somewhere in January, the, the new website will be up. And then somewhere later in January or early February, ticket sales will start. Sweet. All right. Well, I'm going to put a note in the calendar and keep an eye out for it. But it's been an absolute blast. Um, I, I have learned um, a hell of a lot, especially given that I'm, I do freelancing and would like to do better at it. So thanks very much for um, sitting down for a chat with me. You're welcome. Thank you. So what did you think of the chat with Scoop? Personally, I, well, I hope you loved it as much as I did. As I said in the like the, the, the pre-chat blurb there, that I've got like something like 51, up to 51 lines of, of bullet point notes. I was, I was scrambling and, and scratching away that much. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this one, so I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And if you know somebody who you feel would benefit from this, please share the link to it with them. And what is that link? Well... As always, you can find out all that you need to know about the episode, about my wonderful guest, and so much more that he shared with me at freethegeek.fm forward slash episode forward slash 0036. That's freethegeek.fm forward slash episode forward slash 0036. Now, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you know somebody who would be an awesome guest, please get in touch with me anytime at freeing the geek on twitter or at setter mjd alternatively you can email me anytime matthew at matthewsetter.com and that's enough from me but in the next episode next week i have the pleasure of chatting again with the wonderful matthew turland i hope you will join me next week in episode 37 i'll see you then